Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich Finding Tension Podcast. Our guest today is Ify Ibekwe. Ify is the principal attorney of Ibekwe Law, PLLC. Ify has practiced law for over 15 years and is a weekly contributor to Above the Law, the largest online legal community in the world. In this episode, we discuss estate planning and steps to take today to prepare you and your family for the future. Ify shares relevant and helpful information about the importance of creating an estate plan, regardless of your age, marital status, and how much wealth you have. You will get so much great information out of this episode. As always, thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on Instagram for money tips and inspiration. Hi, Ify. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, y'all. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to be on your podcast specifically. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so excited to have you on. Yes. So for those who may not know you, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. My name is Ifama Ibekwe. I go by Ify. I am an estate planning lawyer with offices in Texas and Arkansas. Those are the two states I'm licensed in. And I prepare wills and trusts and other legal documents that help people preserve their agency. That's what I do for a living. In my life, I'm a mom of four. I'm married. I live in Northwest Arkansas, even though my business is based in Austin, Texas. But that's a whole other conversation. I love reading. <laughs> I don't know what else. Whenever I get asked that question, I'm like, <laughs> I love long walks on the beach. You know? <laughs> it's like, how far back do I go? I, so. I know. So are you on that cusp? So I just learned text, text, Texas. Texarkana. What is it Texarkana. called? Texarkana. Tex, Texarkana. Yes. Texarkana. So no, I didn't I, know that was like a real place. So are yes. you on that cusper of Texas? No, I am not. I don't. Okay. So there's the Arklatex, which is Arkansas, <laughs> Louisiana, and Texas. That's a region. There's a place called Texarkana, Texas, which is right by where those three states all merge. Yep. But mm-hmm. I actually live North, right by Missouri. I'm in Northwest Arkansas. Wow. Okay. Because Bentonville, you know, us East <laughs> <Coast> Walmart. <laughs> That's where I live. Where the Waltons are based. That's so funny. Wait, so, how, how did you arrive in this area? How, how did you get here? Yeah. I'm curious. Okay, this is a 30 second version. One of okay. my best friends runs Airbnbs in Bentonville because Bentonville is a place that the Walmart family, the Waltons, have put a lot of money and infrastructure. It's gorgeous. It's in the Ozark Mountains. We came to visit, loved it, sold our house in Austin and moved up here because my husband and I both work for ourselves. Wow. So do you like it? You like raising a family out there? (laughs) Absolutely. 100% recommended. Oh my gosh. You East Coasters. I know a lot of people moving back South to various places. This would be a good one. Now it's got a history. But I've never lived around more Black people. I lived in Austin for 21 years and never had a Black neighbor in Austin proper. And in my neighborhood, across the fence, at the end of my street, and two more houses, I can tell you, have Black families. So, yes. I was not My experience. I didn't either. So, yes, I prefer that. Yes, yes. Okay, so we might have to look into Arkansas, Missouri. (laughs) No, I don't know nothing about Missouri. (laughs) And you don't want to live everywhere in Arkansas because it's still Arkansas. But Northwest, to anyone who's an investor, especially listening on here, if you do any real estate investment, look at 
Bentonville, Arkansas. Bentonville. We're writing that down now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No. So if you were like really excited to have you on our podcast, because we're talking about a very important topic, one that I'm not sure everyone knows or discusses in their families. And that topic is estate planning. So, you know, we're just excited to have you on just to dig into this topic a little more. Yes. And I think that sometimes when people hear the word estate planning, they might mix that up with real estate, or even if they know something about it, they're not really sure what exactly it is. And so if I could just give you like the 30,000 foot view, if you think of the term estate planning as an umbrella term, underneath that umbrella are things like your will and your living will, which are two separate documents, powers of attorney, any healthcare directives that would legally say what should be done with you if you can't consent for yourself. Trusts. These are all under the umbrella of estate planning. Every single one of us has an estate, whether you're broke, whether you owe, whether you're renting, it doesn't matter because each of us has our body. We have the property that we own, whether you think it's worth anything, children, right? That is all part of your estate. And when you pass away or or if you're injured, you have to have a plan for what to happen to you or your kids or your things. And if you don't have a plan, all of us already have an estate plan that your state has set up for you. And it's a scheme for what to do with you, what to do with your children, what to do with your property, real estate, Bitcoin, whatever it is that people are uh, accumulating as part of their estate, there is a plan for you already unless you set your own plan in place. So we all have an estate plan. I didn't even know that, that there's already a plan that's created for us unless we create our own. (laughs) Yes. And if you think about how common it is for people not to know that, I mean, 70% of Americans across the board do not have any kind of estate, but people are dying every day. They're getting incapacitated every day. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some sort of uniform way to deal with that property, to deal with those people, right? And what happens is there's something called a law of intestacy in every state. It could be called intestate succession laws. And it'll say, for example, in Texas, if you're married, your spouse is entitled to 50% of your community property, your child can get X percent. And it's, if you don't have a spouse, then it goes here. If you don't have that, then it goes down. If you don't have that, then it goes up, depending on where you are and who's alive around you. It's kind of when you hear of someone passing away and then their seventh cousin twice removed gets some multi-million dollar. It's a state plan. Somebody did not put together their estate plan. So the state put together a plan for them and that's the person who gets to inherit. So, you know, I was reading a study on caring.com and Mm -hmm. they say that two out of three adults do not even have an estate plan. You know, and I think you said earlier, 70 percent of Americans don't have it. Why do you think more people don't do this work? Like, why don't they have the estate planning um, sessions? Well, there's several reasons. One of them is a historical reason. Right. The more common reason is I think that people think estate connotes like wealth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Hilton's and the Rockefellers have estates. I have a house. I have a car. I own, you know, maybe I have some stocks, life insurance. People don't see that as valuable enough to plan for. And so I think that that is the major reason. I have clients who will come to me who have millions of dollars and they still don't think they have anything. 
So a lot of it is a mindset where they, they don't see that money in their bank account. Maybe it's in life insurance or in some other you know, investment account. So it's not like cash on hand to them right then, right now. Or they might have a mortgage on their home, but they don't see themselves as owning assets and owning things even in future assets when they pass away. And so I think that's a huge part of it. The other part of it is historically estate planning was set up as a way to avoid paying taxes. And you can wind that all the way back. And so the people who were trying to do that were usually people who were landowning, white, and men. And so historically, it hasn't trickled down in the same way. No, I, I hear you with that because for a long time, I always thought it's for rich people <laughs> that mm-hmm. should have these estate plans, you know, and that's what I heard of, right? Like I thought it was people, like you said, like the Hiltons, who were doing a lot of this work. But then it wasn't until we had our own child where we were like, my husband actually said, hey, we need to get our documents in place. God forbid, if anything happens to us, there's a plan for our daughter and our assets. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So so I just want to like make it very clear, like who exactly should have an estate plan? Because, you know, I hear people say that, you know, well, I'm single. I don't really need an estate plan. Like who exactly should be doing, you know, the, these types of, yes. this type of planning. So if you're 18 years old and you have capacity, which is the ability to make decisions on your own without having somebody in charge of you, then you need some sort of an estate plan. And it doesn't have to be complicated in order to be one, but you need some sort of proper property distribution document. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't really own any property, I'm talking about personal property as well. Personal property of your computer, the art on your walls, your albums, your yearbooks, your car, jewelry, any collectibles that you have. That's all part of your personal property. You need a plan for where that's going to go. Okay. So there's personal property. There's also real property like real estate. You need a plan for where that's going to go. And then you need a plan if you have children for what's going to happen to your children if something were to happen to you. In Texas, we have something in place if they are, if a parent is incapacitated as well as when they die. So you need some sort of plan for them. And I'll do this caveat for the kids as well. If you're planning for your kids to inherit everything, you need to have some sort of way for them to receive it because people who are under the age of 18 are not able to inherit property without a guardian in place. And you see a lot of people doing things like leaving life insurance outright to children or leaving their house to their children in a will or something, but their child's a minor. They can't receive that. There has to be someone in charge of that child and a way for that child to receive that property. And then the other part of your estate plan is that you need directions for what's going to happen to you and your finances if you are unavailable or incapacitated for health reasons, right? So you need to know Who's going to be in charge? Some people are like, oh, my, my mom, oh, my husband. But what if they don't get along and they're at the hospital fighting? Write it out. Put it in order of who you'd want to be number one and then number two or number three. We'll do levels in, our, in my office. And you want to put those things in place. And so planning for your property, planning for your child, and planning for your health is completely independent of wealth, or however you want to see it. It just has to be done. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely important to put the steps in proper place. But I wanted to just go back to a couple terms that you used earlier so our listeners mm-hmm. understand some of the terms. So you mentioned will, living will, healthcare proxy, and power of attorney. Can you just break down what exactly these uh, items are? Yes. So the first document is the one that everyone thinks of. The last will and testament is what is called a will that only goes into effect when you die. And what that means is you write out where you want your assets to go. All the things that I talked about, your personal property, real property, which is real estate property, what you want done with those assets. Your will in some states will also let you decide who you'd want your children to go to, okay? You can put trust in your will and I won't cloud it, but that's the first document. The the last will and testament is a will only goes into effect when you die. Commonly confused with a will is a living will. A living will is actually an advanced healthcare directive that says, if I am in a terminal condition or in a a, a medical condition where I can no longer consent for myself, these are the medical interventions I'd want. Breathing, feeding, CPR, all sorts of respiration do you want? (laughs) We always used to joke, do you want make sure that your lips aren't chapped, (laughs) you know, form fuzzy socks, whatever how you want to be treated in that instance. And it's, it's an end-of-life document, which I don't want to confuse with a do not resuscitate. Some states have that as part of an estate plan. I want to throw in here that estate plans are, are customized to each state. So there might be documents that we have in Texas and Arkansas that y'all don't have. Are you in New York or New Jersey? New York area, yep. Okay, that you don't have in New York. And so it's very important that you work with someone in your state so they, that you get these documents. But these are the general estate planning terms. You also have things like your healthcare power of attorney and your financial power of attorney. These are documents that allow you to have someone put in place as your agent, as a proxy person to make health decisions and financial decisions if you're not able to do so. For the health one, it's usually because you're unconscious and you can't. But financial, depending on your state, it could be if you're just leaving the country and you want to make sure that your employees are all paid or you want to make sure that your mortgage is paid and you want to walk the check there, someone can do that for you. Other documents included, depending on where you are, we have standalone guardianship documents. And that allows us to say, if I am ever in a condition where I cannot take care of myself, you can be in charge of my physical body and you can be in charge of my finances. So it's a strong power that you can give someone if you're incapacitated or long-term disabled and you want to say ahead of time while you can consent, because that's a big part about why you should do this when you're younger. Usually you have more capacity. You have to be able to put those things in writing for a rainy day. And then other things are a HIPAA authorization or a HIPAA directive. It's like at the doctor's office, you can say, these are my people. If anything happens to me, I want them to have access to my prognosis, to my records, to my doctor, you can put that stuff in place. And another thing you can put in place is if you want to be buried or cremated, if you prepay for funeral and you have instructions on what you want that to be, that can be part of your estate plan as well. And then the last one is the big one is trusts. And there's hundreds of types of trusts that could be set up, but a trust basically allows you to place property outside of an individual's name for the benefit of yourself sometimes, or your beneficiaries, which could be your kids or charities or causes, universities, whatever you want to leave it to. 
thank you for breaking down those terms, you know, and I think sometimes a barrier can be just not knowing, you know, a lot of what these terms are. And so I appreciate that you were able to just give us these definitions. And, you know, as you were speaking, I'm just thinking, you know, some of our listeners might be saying, well, why do I need all that? My husband or my wife Mm -hmm. are just going to, you know, make these decisions for me. Is it safe to assume that a spouse will be enabled to make some of these decisions on your behalf if you do die or become incapacitated? No, it is not safe to believe so, actually. And if you think about the nature of just people, (laughs) if you have people in your life that care about the decisions that are going to be made for you that could fight, okay? Like, say you have a husband, but they don't get along with your mother. and Who are they supposed to pick at the hospital to keep you on life support or take you off? For certain things, it's a given. For example, if you have custody of a child with somebody else, you're the parents. If something happens to one of the parents, then the presumption is that the other parent will automatically take charge of that child. Whether or not the parents are married or together, as long as their rights have not been terminated, the court is usually going to say, well, of course, that child should go to the other parent. If, if a grandparent comes in and says, no, I, my, my daughter would have wanted me to take care of my grandbabies. Unless there is proof that there's something wrong with the other parent, that child is very likely going to that other parent. And so that's one of the ones that I would say, yeah, maybe in that circumstance. But for example, I had a client come to me because the, the other side of, of estate planning is that my clients die. And then they come back and they want to make sure that they can close down their loved one who's passed away's estate. And yes, the assumption is if nobody contests the fact that a wife wants to be in charge of closing down her husband's estate, then yeah, that's usually the court will go for it and let that happen as long as other people who could inherit don't have any issue with that. If they do have issue with that, that's a whole other situation. And the best way to rectify that situation is just to place that person that you want in place there, okay? And so any presumption that my spouse will take care of me is not a legal presumption (laughs) or that my spouse will inherit everything. Like I told you at the beginning, the state has a plan for you. So yes, your spouse might be entitled to 50% of this, but if you have kids from before, for example, you could disinherit them by doing nothing, right? Because even in a situation where you say, well, I want all this to be handled by my spouse. They could go off and get married and have a new family. And then your original kids, which I'm not even making up stuff that's like out of the realm. Of, I see it. There are so many factors that could come into play that you might want to do some more planning around that. Say yes to my spouse, except I want this to always follow my child or my children or our children. And there are so many ways you can do that with estate planning. I felt like that was so rambly, but it's no, so it's, complicated. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I know. yeah it knows so true. And it just reminds me of when our daughter was born and a few weeks after, like we did our estate plan mm-hmm. and we went through the process and little did we know going into it, we thought it was going to be, you know, press one button and then we're done. But oh. it was so many, di- it's so much dynamic to it and figuring yes. out. If I pass away, if you pass away, exactly. if we both yep. pass away at the same and time. us coming exactly. into agreement on these yes. things too, because, you know, I have a perspective, he has his own perspective and like, you know, what happens with our daughter, what happens with our property, what happens in with anything, you know? And it's like, it, it, 
it creates a conversation, especially for, you know, husbands and wives to, you know, talk through some of these difficult conversations that you may not have had otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And then another layer of that is that people have all sorts of trauma from losing loved ones, whether it's like a grandmother or a spouse or someone who died and didn't die, leaving it well. So maybe there's family fallout and then somebody was backbiting or this person immediately went and cleaned out mom's house. Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of trauma that stops people from wanting to enter talking about that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. even if they may not realize that it's an underlying reason. You know, I won't take clients that are married. I mean, most of my clients are, but they have to, f- they sign a joint consent, which basically says that they have to be in agreement with planning together. And that what I tell one spouse, I'm going to tell the other spouse, because for all intents and purposes, we're all in this together. And I've had a couple of, of estate plans go south through it where I could no longer represent them because they had different philosophies on a lot of things and they didn't know until they started estate planning. So yeah, you could just go on and fill out a form on a robot, but that's not going to be enough. So before someone even starts the process of estate plan, like what conversations should they be having like uh, to prevent those type of issues? Right. Because when we went, we didn't have we had simple conversations. It was like, oh, we didn't think we about this. We touched on it, but yeah. then yeah. we had to take it back home and be like, hey, like, yeah, let's <laughs> we got to talk this, this out a little yeah. bit. So, yeah. So what kind of type of conversations should you be having? Absolutely. So I would say that one of the main reasons that people come to my office is if they have minor children and it just gets to the point where you're like, we got to figure out worst case scenario, what would happen to our child or our children? I would start there but not let it stop the conversation from going forward. I don't think anything should stop you from going forward. And a great estate planner is going to be able to walk you through these conversations so that they're not just giving you paperwork and saying, okay, I did it and come like, you should be talking. You should be saying, you know, I love your mom, but I would prefer that she not raise our children. I would rather go to my sister and then worst case scenario, it could be her. That's going to be hard for some people to have that conversation when you're talking about who raised them, right? But those are the sorts of conversations you should start. And I, and with this particular example, I would say write out your list of your top three and have your spouse or your partner write out their list of their top three and then compare your list. <laughs> because some people are like absolutely on the same page, like my husband and me absolutely know who we would want. And it's not a deep bench, but we know and agree. But there's some people who's absolutely will not come to an agreement. And in those situations, it is harder to plan because you want the parents to be aligned if they're in in the relationship together. If they're not, you know, (laughs) just write what you want. But if you're together, talk about that. Talk about what sorts of medical treatments you'd want. You know, some people, they don't want to be in a persistent vegetative state. That's not a fun conversation to have and sit. Now it's your decision. Ultimately, when it's, if it's your body, you decide, but you also want your spouse to be able to be at peace with that too. But it's your decision. I do estate plans for married people where it's just one of the the couple there and they're still married, but the other one is not ready. And that's okay because sometimes people don't come around to the point where they can do it together. But you still have to plan, especially 
for yourself. And if you have kids, it's better to have something than nothing. Now. Yeah. And I, I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us the importance of just life, right? Like life yes. is so fragile. And I guess I'm curious, like, have you seen an uptick in adults creating estate plans since, you know, the start of the pandemic? Definitely. In my practice, I've seen a, my demographic has, has, has become younger. You know, I've had younger and younger couples, families, single parents, every kind of person you can think of come in. And a lot of it is because of the pandemic. I was even on a call with a woman yesterday, successful in her profession, had just been released from the hospital in, in the end of the year after six months being in ICU because of COVID. And she said while she was there and fighting pneumonia and all the other ailments, she kept thinking, I haven't done my estate plan yet. She thought she had time. And so she just got out. She wants to do that because that's what was keeping her feeling like she needed some closure. Like, I got to do this for my kids, for my spouse. And she's not an old woman, but I'm seeing people come in because of the urgency or because they've lost loved ones. So, Mm -hmm. No, so I... I think, you know, definitely a sense of urgency, I think is needed in terms of getting a plan in place to Mm -hmm. understand like where your assets will be going, what will be done with your children. If you become incapacitated, what do you want done to you in the event that you're not able to, to, to speak for yourself? And one of the biggest things, you know, with estate planning, especially when it comes to black people, is that it's one of the biggest transfers of generational wealth or poss- the possibly one of the biggest transfers of generational wealth in our yes. community. But despite that, according to CNBC, 70% of Black Americans die without a will in place. You know, mm-hmm. what comes to mind is, you know, I know celebrities, right? Like Chadwick Boseman, Prince, mm-hmm. a big one, you know, Aretha Franklin, they all passed away. Like these are wealthy people, massive wealth, and yes. they all died. without. So can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I think that celebrities always come to mind because it's so easy also to say, look, they're messing it up too. You know, like little me, what could I do differently? Well, you could do a lot because it doesn't matter how much you feel like you own. We all have people that experience the fallout of our decisions. Right. And so I think that historically black people have not had access to estate planning. Just to give you an example, statistically, I think that 86% of lawyers are white, 5% are black. Of those 5%, 2% are women. When you look at lawyers around you, very few of us look like me who are doing estate planning. I mean, I could count them, honestly, in the states that I work in. And so consequently, there's no one coming to remind you of these things. They're happy for you to do yours with legal Zoom or whatever Dave Ramsey is recommending for people that is wholly insufficient. And so it's to your benefit to be active in transferring this wealth. There's another statistic from Prosperity Now that says Black people are on track to have zero zero median wealth by 2053. I was just looking to see if that has been updated since COVID because I think that that has detrimentally affected the Black community in in ways that we have not seen results come out yet, right? Because we were the ones suffering the most. So I would say this, whether you think you have much or if you think you have little, it's worth it to the next generation to give 
some sort of instructions for what you want to do with that. Everyone has a story. I can give you so many stories of people whose mom had maybe one house in the hood, okay? And she passed away, had no estate plan. The state's like, great, goes to your kids an equal share. And guess what? They don't agree, right? One of them knows like that's valuable. We need to keep that asset. Another one's got debts. Maybe somebody's got back child support. Maybe somebody's a gambler. Now you have all these people who are co-heirs who don't, they do not agree. And what happens is you sell that asset. You pay off court costs. You pay off the lawyer. You pay off debtors. And then you pay off the heirs. And there's so many better ways to set that up because that land that might be, you know, undesirable in 10, 15, 20 years might be the hottest part of town, as you see happens all the time. And estate planning is one of those tools that people who have had access have used to pass on their land and pass on like that dinky house that's nothing, right? And and pass it on so that the next generation can at least benefit and not start from behind the starting line. Yeah. The importance of state plan is, you know, overstated, but one of the barriers to entry is cost, right? And, Mm -hmm. or people simply don't know where to get one done. Yes. For people who may not have a lot of money or, you know, are are low in cash, where can they start if they want to create a basic estate plan? Okay. So you're going to have to do some research on this. This is not going to be like, just go here. Okay. Estate planning is expensive, fundamentally expensive to most people. It's an investment. There are ways to get estate planning done for free and for low cost. If you have any military ties, there are things like Wills for Heroes that you can go to. And some of these programs extend to family members too. This is why I said you got to do some research in your area, see what's available. We have low bono and pro bono legal services that each state provides, including creating wills and just your basic asset distribution and healthcare directives. Now, they're not going to make them all super customized, but if you really don't have a lot of assets, but you want to preserve your agency and healthcare decisions, look up your local low, I I don't know what they call it. it. We call it low bono or pro bono. It's free or low cost barrier to entry to get some of these services done. A lot of them are income based. Because a lot of people don't want to pay for estate planning, but they can't. That's another conversation. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who truly think, okay, I just got to get my stuff together. In Austin, I work with the cancer law. So if you or a family member has cancer or had it, we do free estate planning service. I do the same, you know what I mean, for clients that need their documents. So there are lots of ways to find out how to get it done. There are nonprofits that do estate planning. I have a friend in Austin that does a sliding scale estate planning practice where it's income-based as well. And so they're not uncommon, but you may have to go look. You'll find churches that are doing it. You just want to make sure that you're not just having people fill out forms, but they're really lawyers who do this in their real life and day-to-day. And if you can't find any of that, then you can always reach out to law firms because some of them do it as part of their practice. It might not be publicized, but if you have a compelling reason, not just that you don't want to spend the money, then there are people who will often work with you. And yes, you may have to put some pride aside, but there are lawyers out there. I give away free estate plans every year 
And I pay, I have clients pay me thousands every year for the same estate plan. So it just really depends. But just like any service provider, we're not in business to do things for free, but there are people who have giveaways and will be able to point you to the next direction. And even if they can't do it, they often are in touch with their local bar association where they can say, oh my gosh, this month is this, this month, sign up, go get yours then, you know, find ways to do it that are outside of going to a robot. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because you did mention earlier in the conversation using like, I guess, online platforms that, you know, create these wills for you. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Like why you pros would, and cons. Why, like the pros and cons? Yeah, like why you would not advise yeah. people to use those specific online, some yes. of those online platforms. As a practitioner, what I've seen when people have done that is that they fill out the paperwork and don't execute it properly. So it's in, in essence, nothing right? It is not having an estate plan done. Now, I do think a pro is going through and filling out paperwork to see who you decide to do what with and kind of thinking through it like that. I don't mind it for that, but I I can't in good conscience recommend something to you to prepare for your life and your all that you've amassed, whether it's little or small, just your health decisions in a way that could be done incorrectly. I would want a lawyer to look over it. Who does that? And a lot of these platforms will say, we are not lawyers. We do not give legal advice. If you want legal advice, then you're going to have to find it elsewhere. This is just to generate the document. And that's not sufficient for most people. Now, if you, I'm not saying they don't work, but what I see a lot of is it getting contested in court. It leads to a lot of litigation, which defeats the point, right? Because again, even if it ends up going your way. You still have to pay lawyer fees. And sometimes that might mean selling property to do so. So I just think in the long run, the way I think about it, estate planning is not sexy. It's not like saying I'm investing and now I'm buying my second real real estate rental unit. That sounds awesome. That's so Instagrammable. And people invest a lot of money to do those things, whether they feel like they have a lot of ends or they can just get in and then build at the ground floor. Estate planning, I would love for it to become one of those things that you invest in just like that. You know what I did? I just set up a trust for my children. That's priceless to me. Making their lives easier and having it set up in a way where they're not going to have to always take that job, go here, work for this person, but give them a little bit of options. You don't, you can do it conservatively or you can do it as liberally as you want, but just giving them a better start and some options and some parameters so that money doesn't necessarily hurt them either. I think that's priceless. And that to me is worth the cost of a trip to Disney because people will find money where they want to invest it. It's just that we have done a terrible job as estate planners to show the value of the service. Because it just sounds like, oh, it's just some legal paperwork. But when I just tried to explain it to you and you're probably like, what? It's not just legal paperwork. It's, it's complicated and it, and it can be customized to suit you. And I, can I just throw this in for any of you parents who have children with special needs? It is especially imperative that you set up special needs trusts for them because they cannot inherit. If they need state or federal benefits, You can't just leave them property outright, even if they're an adult, even if it's a loved one who's on disability or has a a profound disability or just can't take care of themselves, put it in trust for them. Those are ways that you can have that asset work for them without taking them out of the system or having them owe the system because they have made more money by you gifting them 
a car or a house or something like that. So just wanted to throw that in. You know, everything you're saying is so important. And I would say even, you know, obviously, you know, as you stated before, you know, the fact that wealth, black wealth will come to zero in the year 2053. So this is a crisis, right, that we're dealing with at this point. How do we make estate planning accessible to black people? Like, what do we need to do? Like, what's the first step, in your opinion, to just make this get this in the hands of more black people? Yeah, this is such a good question and one that I really struggle. I I feel like this is my calling is to change how estate planning is seen and and accessed throughout the United States. It's a and I don't have a quick answer for you. Like all you have to do is this, right? There's access. There's the cost as a barrier. There's the lack of provisioners. Like I just told you, my profession is stereotypical old white guys. And they work for families that have money. They have no incentive to help us at any level. I'm not even saying like, oh, you know, people who can't afford it. I have people who come to me who can't afford it, but can't find a lawyer. Okay. So it's a problem because people can tell when they're not being respected or they can tell when their business is not needed. Right. Lawyers are good at that. Like at a certain level, they're like, I don't have to see you. I don't have to see you. Okay. And so it's a multi-layered process. I think that the first step is for those who have the ears to hear it and want to make that a priority, start there, right? Without saying we got to shift that 70%. I think like more of people come to the knowledge, it's almost like a butterfly effect. And that way, I think other minds can come into play in, in figuring out what else we can do. What I'm doing in my sphere of influence, I'm writing an estate planning book right now with just helping people to understand the concepts. This document does this. Here's what you should do next. Identify what you own. Go and make an appointment with a, uh, three estate planners in your town. Like just little steps that people can start taking. Not everyone's going to do that, but just explaining what the documents are, explaining why they're necessary, explaining how they're used in death or in an incapacitation. And just having that information out there so that somebody who is ready for the process can go and feel like they're not being talked down to or over their heads, right? And, and can understand, oh, yeah, so tell me more about how I can use my advanced healthcare directive to do this. And I want to make sure that my, my brother can never be in charge of taking care of me or my sister or whatever. Like we do that. Or you want to disinherit someone, here's how you do that, right? I want to make sure they will never get a penny from me. Just little things like that. I think education is wonderful as a base level, but there has to be action as well. Because it's one thing to, to read till the cows come home and just have the knowledge, but ultimately estate planning doesn't work until you put that knowledge into action. You're so right. Action it's is, a big is problem key. though. It's yeah. a big problem. I know for us, and just to be transparent for us, it was actually a benefit that my husband had through his job where we were mm -hmm. able to meet with a lawyer yes. and another sit way. down and create our, our estate plan. And so I would encourage you, you know, find out what benefits your company yes. may offer. Most companies may not offer it. It is a, huge, a big expense, but it can't hurt just to ask, you know? And like, even if, if that's the first place you can start just calling up your HR to find out what those benefits are, I'd rather you hear a no rather than not knowing that this was available to you in the first place. Yeah, and there's Absolutely. also associations that have like low-cost benefits as well, like AR 
AARP and yeah. other different things where you can get it at a reduced cost. Yeah. And that's that's what you want to get, right? You want to look for those. So Google is your friend and you know, just ask. The worst you can hear is no. Google is your friend and your foe because there are also going to be companies that are looking for you to get you to just fill in some paperwork, okay? Mm-hmm. Even that's when true. you go through your business, when you go through your company, you can still interview lawyers. Just because there's one lawyer that says they do it, still go through and make sure that you feel like they have the time for you, yeah. they're hearing you, that they're taking care of your, your needs well. Because even if it's low cost, I don't think that, you just have to settle with whomever you get, you know, still be investigative, shop around, definitely ask questions. If they're fumbling or they do eight types of law, don't go to them. They're not an estate planner. They're just filling out paperwork for you. So they should look for an estate planning lawyer specifically. Estate planning and probate are the lawyers who do this kind of work. So read the reviews online, go do it like you would. Like if you were searching for, you know, uh, exactly, please. (laughs) Yeah. Just the level of due diligence when you want to go out and eat a particular type of Mexican food that you would look up on Yelp or on Google, you know, or a hotel you want to stay at on TripAdvisor, do that kind look at the pictures, you know, read the reviews, ask the questions, pay for a consultation. If they, if they don't, Because a lot of lawyers, you know, people will come and ask us for free advice all the time. That is not a good use of our time. But if it matters to you, go ahead and pay them a couple hundred dollars and get on a phone call with them, you know, to see, because that's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said that we need to see this as an investment and it's not Mm -hmm. as sexy as, you know, buying real estate or buying some stocks, but it's going to be the thing that's going to create generational wealth for your family. You know, this is the legacy building that we talk about. This is how you create that legacy. This is how you create that transferable wealth so that your children's children will be in a better position than you were. And and I just think the worst thing you want is like, if you pass away for like the next generation to have turmoil or they're arguing, or it's just like, it causes more stress than than what you initially wanted in the first place. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's so important that we and take these steps. How So once once someone does create their estate plan, like how often should they be updating? Because this isn't a document that you just create and then forget. No. Like what's the this frequency? <laughs> yeah, I tell my clients three to five years, unless you have a, a, a life event, like a birth, a death, a divorce, a child becoming an adult, You know, just like at work, you know, when they have that open enrollment and you can change your benefits because something happens, you had a new baby or adopted a baby, or that's when you want to look at your estate plan. It doesn't mean that you're going to change it. From an estate planning practitioner's perspective, federal laws change all the time, right? Right now, our federal estate tax is $12.06 million per person which will sunset in 2026. That's the fiscal year 2022 amount is 12.06 million that you can individually pass on. In states like Texas, where we have no state estate tax, that means like you can pass on that amount or collectively pass on over $24 million and not have to worry about tax taxes, right? If that number jumps down to where it's been 1 million or 5 million in the past, a lot of people fall into that with owning a couple of assets and could in the next 10 to 20 years. So those are numbers we also watch because it could affect how you set up your estate plan if you are working with more of an asset. And then the other part about it is each state has different 
tax laws for when people pass away. So I think in Massachusetts, it's a million dollars. So even if you just own that house and it's been passed down in the family and you know, we really can't afford anything, but this house we, we own as a family is now worth 1.2 million. There is stuff to do. You know, you might not feel like it's liquid and you can just do a lot with that money, but there are some assets that pass down generationally that have really gone up in value. And you need to be sure that you're working with an estate planner. So, and a CPA um, and a financial planner, honestly, will throw all my, my crew in there because there are things that are going to change in our laws, in your property values, as you're building and in the money starts to grow, one day it just starts to grow, then you're going to have to do some things differently. So are you saying that every three to five years, we have to meet with another a lawyer again to look at these documents, review them? I would. Yeah. Okay. I okay. would, unless that something's happened. You know, like I said, I've had clients get divorced. I've had clients get married. I've had clients move out of state. And so they want to have it reviewed, not necessarily updated, maybe not all of it, but part of it, they've had falling outs with people in their family. They no longer want to participate in their estate plan. It could be sooner, but as a rule, definitely be looking at it every few years because things will change and your children will grow and your assets will grow or diminish or change. And you want to make sure that you're still saying what you want to say. Yeah. I had a question regarding like parents and grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times these are the areas where they may not even know anything about it. And it's often hard to even talk about money with them. What advice do you have for like children, adult children who are trying to make sure their parents start doing this or their grandparents start doing this so that it isn't this big argument when they pass away and now we have to figure out, you know, are we selling, are we we keeping Mm -hmm. it? It's so good that you said that, RJ, we are at the precipice of the baby boomer generation passing on everything that they have to us. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, for everyone listening that up to this point has been like, it really is not going to affect me. There are people who listen, they don't care. Okay. It will affect you because if your parents and your grandparents own or want certain care, they have to put down their wishes. The best way I think is to have conversations about it. One great lead in is to say, you just did yours and here's why. What would they like their legacy to be? And start having these conversations. It's not a one and done, like, mom, you need to do your estate plan, okay? Like, we don't want your mess. She might read that as, you just want me to die and take my house, right? (laughs) I always knew you were coming from my bank account, right? You don't want that. You know your parent, you know the best way to address that. But you can start letting them know, did you know, like, if we don't do anything, the state decides. And so if she has some estranged child, that she doesn't want them to inherit. Maybe they have an issue or they steal or, or they're just wayward. You know how people have all kinds of relatives in the mix. It is to their benefits to even understand like what would happen. And it's awkward because you're flipping the script now where a parent is being put in a role that might be the child's role and you're trying to drop knowledge to them. And it's a very strange role reversal for some families. Some they have that conversation. Some, they might be open to it. Some might be completely close to it. It just depends. You can't force anybody. They have to ultimately make those decisions for themselves, but just bringing them information. The AARP has really helpful guidance on how to have these conversations. I've even, I'll, I'll send you some blog posts that I've had, like how to talk to your family about estate planning in the holidays, how to bring it up and some scripts that you can use. 
it is imperative that the parents and the grandparents are hearing this because they are the ones that have accumulated the most historically and are able to transfer that adequately without it being lost to court fees, family fights, taxes, creditors of their heirs. Not They might be debt-free, but they want to give it to somebody. Guess who gets paid first? And there are ways that you can plan that would avoid that. Ify, you have just shed so much light on such a complex topic. And I know I've learned a lot from this episode, just speaking with you. And I know that there's conversations that I need to have in my own personal life, you know, just with my mom and, you know, just talking to her about getting, and my dad too, just getting all of our planning in order. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, this has been amazing. Thank Mm -hmm. you for just educating us, you know, so it's easily to understand like what estate planning is. Where can people find you, Ify? Yes. If you would like to find me, if you are in need of estate planning services in Texas or Arkansas, you can find me at ibequelaw.com. And that's my law firm website. I'm on all the social media platforms, Ify Ibeque ESQ on Instagram, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Sometimes I tweet very rarely (laughs) at (laughs) Ify Ibeque. And I'll give you all of my contact information. But yeah, Google me and I'll come up. I'm always talking about this. I love it, Ify. And I love that you're using your sphere of influence to really affect change, especially as it relates to people like us, Black people. Yes, we must do it. We are in crisis mode. And, you know, we're committed to doing that as well. So we're just excited to, you know, just get this episode out there and just have our listeners just learn. And I pray, like, if you said something so important, action. You know, you can get the education, you can hear all of the terms, you can learn the lingo, but the most important thing you can do today is to take action today. Start with the Google search. Just start estate planning lawyers in your Your city, your city, state, and, you know, just start there. I do have a couple of resources on my Instagram page. I have a national black estate planning lawyers database. And so if you want to start there, it's not every state. Like I said, I I don't even have a hundred that I found and they may not all do 100% estate planning, but it's a start. Sometimes that cultural competency makes it easier for us to enter that conversation. But again, vet them. They are still providing services. They'll go through all of that and, and make sure that that is a person that you want to work with. And then the last thing is I'm writing a book called Willpower, which will be out in 2024. And it's all about how you can use estate planning for your benefit, for your family. And I hope that that will be a blessing to people as well. So they at least can feel confident knowing what they're talking about and then go hire somebody to do it for them or find someone who provides that service. Thank you, Ify. No, everything, like all the resources will link in in the show notes. So just thank you so much. Like this is such an important episode and I'm just so grateful for your wisdom, for your knowledge. And we're excited just to hopefully move the needle with this. Absolutely. That's what my my prayer is that I don't see exactly how it could work, but I know it can work. And so that's what I want to see in our generation. It just becomes so normal that we talk to our kids about it. Like we talk to them about investing and owning. Like we also say and passing it on intergenerationally. Exactly. Yes. So yes. thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 